that, and uh, we're, we're thankful. We are growing apostolic legacy, and I started Wednesday night talking about a, um, a subject called the Beatitudes, and how many have ever heard of the Beatitudes? A few of you, and I began um, Wednesday night because um, I, I wanted to kind of uh, jump into them. I've been studying them, and I then, you know, thought I would continue on. And so the first lesson is um, probably online somewhere on the Beatitudes, but I, I called it maintaining a Christian life because the Beatitudes talk about uh, that sense of how to get Christ in us and then out of us. Uh, because it's one thing to say, I'm a believer. It's one thing to say, to, excuse me, to claim that I have believed on the Lord and that's a good start. It's another thing to let, uh, to believe on him as the scripture has said. And I read that uh, Wednesday night, where out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Uh, it's, it's another whole process when you, since uh, you recognize your need, repent, and you're baptized, and you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But then how do you maintain a, a Christian life? How do you maintain that? And that slide that was up there of the uh, individual with uh, around the world and all the cultures and all of the uh, things and how do you uh, maintain the cross? How do you maintain Christ in the center of your life and in the center of uh, your thought process? And we have a world that has been bombarded with all kinds of thoughts and feelings and emotions and I I know, um, you know, this very week, um, the fact of, okay, you're not going to be required to wear a mask, and now you can wear a mask on a, you don't have to on a plane, and I, I, I'm curious when my wife gets back to say, how did that go? Because uh, I'm sure uh, there was on the minds of a lot of uh, individuals and, and airplane folks and et cetera. And so in a world that's constantly changing, how do you keep Christ the focus of your thoughts and minds. And looking at the Beatitudes as that, starting at Matthew, the fifth chapter, and I, and actually I, I, it says the fifth verse there, but it's one through 10. Um, it says, seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain and he was set, this being Jesus, and his disciples came unto him and he opened his mouth and he taught them saying, bless are, and then that's where it falls apart. Because when I think of a blessing, when I think of, boy, I'm blessed, I've got a new car, I've got a, uh, I've got a this, I've got something, uh, a great job, I, I got a bonus at work, I, uh, something happened, man, I've got great health, I am so blessed. That's what I think of being blessed, of what some good thing. And imagine Jesus saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. Wow, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then he said, blessed are they that mourn, 
for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And blessed are ye when the blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted after righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you, persecute you, say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. So, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Wow. Not my list of blessings. My blessings would be blessed are ye when you got money in the bank. Blessed are ye when you eaten a big meal. And blessed are ye when you don't have to go to work today. Blessed are ye when school is out for four days. Huh? Blessed and blessed and blessed and all the things that we have and that we would call blessed, and yet Jesus turns those upside down. If you are a believer, then you should be blessed. And, and I talked Wednesday night about <clears throat> being full of forgiveness or mercy and being uh, pure in heart and some of those things. But uh, ultimately, when you look at, at the Beatitudes, it's sort of like observing a plant, a seed. And I know the Lord talked about a sower went forth to sow and he sowed his seed. And, and you can read the parable where it says some seed fell on hard ground and some fell on good soil. And I put a slide about the seeds and showed how when a seed falls into the ground, typically if it falls on the surface, the birds come and snatch it away and we know the seed is the word of God and you hear something and you hear a report and you go, uh, you know, here it is, uh, this fell and it then gets caught away. And if it doesn't get down in my heart and it doesn't kind of grow, then we have issues that that take place and I understand you know uh, we we would all hope that everybody I know uh, you know we're all here today and I uh, sister Gina Inman has a birthday tomorrow and Luke I think Holmes is here and he has a birthday today and and Kelsey had a birthday last week and you know your people are spending their their day in the house of the Lord and, and in the presence of the Lord and we can go through and say, well, you know, I'm giving the Lord, but hopefully there's a seed that is falling that is getting placed somewhere in the soil of your soul because that's what's really important. It's not just, you know, uh, that well, I came and I heard a, a lesson and then I forgot about it by the end of the week or I forgot about it before lunch and nothing happens. But what's supposed to happen is 
<clears throat> there's this hard seed coat that has to be exposed to water and some sun. In fact, sometimes they will tell you soak the seeds in water before you, you know, plant them to break that seed coat. And then the first little thing that sprouts down is a root. And that one little root shoots off a few more little roots. And then that it kind of pushes that seed up. And if you've ever planted seeds, you'll see all of a sudden that seed begins to break forth and it, there's a shoot that begins to go up. So you have, you know, different soils, different seed coats, root, shoot, fruit, and then all of a sudden it breaks and then uh, the more leaves and then that seed produces fruit. Now we know that in, in having a, a, a life uh, that you say is living for Christ, for the Lord, it is, he started by saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. And we talked about it Wednesday night. Why? For theirs is, present tense, not future, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because poor in spirit means that you are empty, you empty pockets. If you're poor, you have nothing in your bank account. You have nothing in your pockets. You are poor. You have no money. You have no assets. And so when you think you're empty-handed, so that first root, if you are going to ever truly live for the Lord, the first root that has to start being produced by that seed is an attitude of humility. If you don't have that, I'm telling you, it will never, the seed will never grow in your heart. The Word of God will never transform you. When you think you're all of that, and we're living in a world of selfies, and when you're all of that, and you are amazing, and God is just fortunate, and the church is just fortunate, and everybody's just fortunate if I show up, and if I'm here, and if I decide I will give, or I will clap, or I will, if it's all about me, Jesus himself said, if anyone comes to me, let him, first thing, deny himself. Take up his cross. And I, I talked about that very sense of when you are, have an attitude of humility, it is like you experience a taste of heaven right now. Because you don't walk around believing that God owes me anything. Right. I'm thankful that I'm here today. Yeah. You know, okay, well, you know, uh, God owes me. I should, I have, I, I've given him an hour. I've given him two hours. I read his word twice this week. I, so, Lord, you need to, right. you got problems because it's got to start with an attitude of humility. Oh, Lord, that's why David would say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. When I walk into the presence of the Lord, I ought to feel blessed. I, I am blessed just to be able to talk. I am blessed just to be able to ask him. I am blessed to be able to have an audience with the God of all creation. I've seen folks get mad when they feel like God hasn't responded the way they want. And I wonder, 
How many times has the governor responded the way you wanted? Or the mayor responded the way? Or the president? Huh? What authority and power do you have? Well, you know, if I were a, a, you know, a senator and if I had, uh, you know, several votes behind me, well, then he would pay more attention to me. You know, what a privilege to be able to go into the presence of the Lord and make our requests known to him. And then we get demanding. No, you're, you're missing the point. The Beatitudes start, blessed is he that is poor in spirit, for his is the kingdom of heaven. And we talked all last Wednesday about how, you know, it gives you strength in the midst of affliction because he said, you know, don't think it's strange concerning some fiery trial, but, you know, be glad and be thankful that you are partaker in Christ's suffering. Submit yourself unto the elder. Be subject one to another. Helps us love one another. You know, because when you are, when you are blessed, then it's not all about you. And I... I and I, nobody here, and I know we're here the day after, Sunday after Easter, but I, I've heard people say, well, you know, this doesn't, you know, it's not doing it for me. It's not ministering to me. It's not, listen, what a privilege to come into the presence of the Lord. What a privilege. Oh, I understand, and we have a lot of churches in Newark and, and, and all the flavors of the month, but I want to tell you, I don't care if you think because I can go to a lot of different churches doesn't mean that I'm privileged to enter into the presence of Almighty God. I should be thankful every day if I can just even on my bedside kneel down and feel God. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. Say, well, I, I'm not feeling it at home. I'm not, then, you know, you need to change my attitude because pride goes before destruction, right? Amen. It'll keep you from falling into temptation, helps you worship. Even Paul said, but God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the next slide. <clears throat> Keeps my heart and mind and spirit off of myself. And so when you think in terms of blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. And I taught all about that, about how Isaiah saw the Lord and the humility and the things that he felt. And so here we are now to the second one. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are they that mourn. We're having grief share this afternoon. Blessed are they that mourn. How is this a blessing? Jesus, what are you talking about? I, I mean, and I realize, I, 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 I prayed about this and I said, oh Lord, this is not a good Sunday morning after Easter. Hallelujah. Amen. How many want to be mourning today? And yet, 
This root's got to come out of that seed and get into thy heart. And it's an attitude of humility. And then it's a, a moment of mourning. And I, I put here taking ownership because that's really what mourning is about. When you mourn the loss of, you mourn your loss of a spouse, a child, a parent, the loss of a job, the loss of a relationship. When you mourn, it's about, it was my relationship. And it's difficult, you know, and unfortunately people oftentimes don't know what to say because it's your spouse, your husband, your mother, your father, your, huh? And we say kind of goofy things like, bless your heart praying for you because you can't say well get over it huh that's insensitive you can't say well you shouldn't feel that way it's not your loss it's their loss anybody know what I'm talking about in the natural the difficulty in Figuring it out and figuring out what can I say, what can I do, how do I encourage? And sometimes all we do is pray and pray with them and say, we know that the Lord hasn't left you and we're praying with you and if you need to talk, huh? We're kind of at a loss, anybody? And yet Jesus said, blessed are they which mourn for they shall be comforted. Now, I I put here a a sentence so you can understand because there are different kinds of mourning. There's mourning that's natural mourning, the loss of something. And then there's sinful mourning. And then there's spiritual mourning. And the Lord was not referencing natural mourning. Blessed are you when you mourn naturally. Although he has sent the comforter and although we know the Holy Ghost is that comforter. But he wasn't saying, oh, you are blessed if you lose a spouse, if you lose a child, if you lose a parent. Just you are so blessed in the natural. That's not what he was saying. And he wasn't saying you are blessed if you sinfully mourn. And you say, well, pastor, I don't understand the difference. Well, we'll look at the Bible and try to explain some. <clears throat> My favorite verse to quote is John eleven thirty-five. Anybody can quote it? When I was a kid, you know, and you had to memorize seven verses, I always turned to that one. Because <laughs> it was a hard one. Jesus wept. That's it. Why was he weeping? And you have to read where he was. He was at the tomb of Lazarus and he was weeping. And some people, you can preach a whole sermon on, was he weeping because he didn't know Lazarus was going to be raised from the dead? Well, that's hard. 
Was he weeping because they were all upset? The point was, he was moved. The Bible talks about Jesus is moved with the feelings of our infirmities. And so he wept. They were weeping. He wept. It's a natural grief process. Should you have that? Yes. Anybody that says, well, I lost something, but it doesn't bother me. I just, ha, it's wonderful. I just got a dose of spiritual Prozac and I am, I am not being real. If you lose something, you ought to mourn. I'm going to tell you, I'm, I can get grief strucken over losing $10. Huh? Anybody ever done something and you lost a few bucks and you go, man, that was just stupid. What was I thinking? I mean, you know, see something on Amazon and buy it. Then go to Walmart and it's $5 cheaper. <laughs> Can I hurry up and cancel my Amazon? Anybody ever done that? Maybe you've never done that. See, I, I'm, I'm just confessing all my faults. <laughs> and I'll go, man, I could have had a Big Mac and a Coke with that. <laughs> I start thinking about it, and then I think about it two or three times, and I just mourn, grieve. Huh? Loss. All right. But then there is sinful mourning. A great example of that is in, found in 1 Kings, the 21st chapter. Some of you that may not be familiar with those stories as much, it was a king, wicked king by the name of Ahab. He was married to this very wicked woman by the name of Jezebel. And Ahab was riding around the territory and he looked and he saw a wonderful, beautiful vineyard. And he said, oh, I want to have that vineyard. Remember the story? And he goes to the owner of the vineyard called Naboth and he said, I'll pay you any amount of money for your vineyard. And Naboth says, man, that's a family heirloom. That was given to me. It's in my family. I, I can't sell that. And Ahab began mourning. The Bible says his heart got heavy. Oh, he was displeased because of what Naboth said. He went home. He laid in bed. He cried. He pouted. He wept. He was... <laughs> and Maybe you've never had a sinful morning over something that you probably shouldn't have had anyway, but you... I'm so sad. I don't have a this. I didn't get that job. I didn't. Uh, my life hasn't turned out. I did not. It's not fair. Others have been promoted. And I, 
Why do I call that sinful? Because if I believe the Lord is my shepherd, and if the Lord didn't give me something that I thought I needed or wanted, and I'm mourning for something that I felt like I needed, all I need is you, Lord. Huh? That's why I'm calling it a little sinful morning, and we've all, man, I wish I had, oh, I, huh? Oh! And you all remember the story of Ahab and Jezebel. She couldn't take it any longer. Her husband laying there crying and sighing and tears. And she said, oh, honey, what's wrong? I can fix that. And she called in the secret service assassin team. They went out and killed Naboth, and he went down and bought the vineyard. And, of course, later was judged because of all of that. But... You know, I'm not talking, Jesus wasn't saying, blessed are you that mourn over things that you don't have to have, over things that you don't, it's not necessary for life. Oh, I would love to have a new this or a new that or a whatever, and it would be wonderful if I had a, but guess what? All I need is you, Lord. Yes. Yes. Mm. That's why when you look at what is godly mourning, this is what Jesus was talking about when he said, blessed are they that mourn. Paul describes it in Corinthians. He says it like this, 2 Corinthians, the seventh chapter. Godly sorrow is going to produce something. That root produces what? Repentance. Everybody say repentance. To salvation, not to be repented of. And the sorrow of the world will kill you. If you are mourning because you didn't buy IBM stock when it was a dollar fifty a share, or you're mourning because oh, I, I wish I would have gotten in on whatever, Bitcoin, Walmart, whatever, <laughs> be careful because it can lead you to make a bad decision today trying to catch up with what you think you lost. Huh? Not us. I'm just talking about, huh? Blessed are they that mourn. And so he's talking about spiritual mourning or godly mourning. Why? Because it leads to repentance. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near, Isaiah said. Let the wicked forsake his ways, the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let them return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy on him to our God, and he will abundantly pardon. If it's godly sorrow, it's not working to death. It's working toward repentance and restoration. If you start grieving something and you don't feel like you can get it resolved, 
Look at what I've lost. Look at what's happened. I can't, I could have, look at what I could have, look at what. It's still all about what I, what I, what I, what I, huh? Because godly sorrow leads to repentance and repentance pulls me back into the presence of Almighty God. And I say, Lord, I don't understand, but you know what? I know I have done wrong, but you are so kind and your blood is so good and you will forgive. I am not going to allow. It's a, it's a measuring stick. Go ahead. Next slide. Timothy. He, Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, said it like this. Nevertheless, the foundation of the Lord stand sure, having this seed the Lord knows them that are his. Let every man, every one that names the name of, cross, of Christ depart from iniquity. Amen. So how many of us can say, oh, I have not sinned at all this week. You say, well, I can't say that, Pastor. That's why we mourn. Oh, Lord, I need you again this week. I need your spirit. I need your touch. I need you to turn the light on. David said the entrance of your words gives light. In Psalms 139, he said, search me, know my heart, know my thoughts. If there's any wicked way in me, open me up, Lord. Lead me into the way. James said in the New Testament, confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. If you are having godly mourning, then you're going to get real and specific about your sins or faults. It's not just, you know, I understand, oh yes, I've sinned. But when you are really godly mourning, you're going, oh Lord, I forgive me for lying. Oh God, forgive me for telling that untruth. Oh God, forgive me for going there. Forgive me for watching that. Forgive me for doing that. Forgive me for my anger. Forgive me. Huh? Because I realize it's wrong and I want the need, the presence of Almighty God. Amen. That's why it's, it's this godly sorrow that they shall be comforted. You never be comforted when you're just talking unreal sort of things. In fact, you remember, I'm going to tell you, you can fake yourself out and say you have godly sorrow. It's a powerful story, and I, Saul, anybody ever heard of Saul? First king, read how Saul acted and see how it wasn't godly sorrow, it was still sinful sorrow. Even though he was saying one thing with his mouth, but he was doing something else. Go ahead, next slide, First Samuel, 15th chapter. Starting at the 18th verse, read it through the 31st verse. <clears throat> the prophet Samuel came to Saul and said, Utterly destroy all the Amalekites. Yeah. And Saul didn't do it. Samuel comes up and says, I hear the bleeding of sheep. What is that? And so then Saul starts babbling, starts justifying. Huh? Amen. Anybody ever found yourself justifying? Oh, yeah. Well, the reason, you, you see, there was this and there was that and there was, and the people, and the people didn't want, and the people wanted to sacrifice and, huh? Yeah. 
And what did Samuel tell him? To obey is better than all your sacrifice. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is iniquity and idolatry. Why? Because to be stubborn, you have to have already forsaken the first root of humility. When you are stubborn and don't listen to anybody and won't listen to what people say, then you are not humble. Right? Because you know best. You know what to do. You got it all taken care of. And he said, listen to how Samuel responds. I mean, Saul responds to Samuel. Read it very carefully. You may have already read those other verses, but read this part very carefully. He says, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words. Sounds good, right? Then he hooks a reason. That's where he got off track. Because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. It really wasn't my fault. He didn't take ownership. Blessed are they that mourn. It's my loss. I did it. I was wrong. I messed up. Huh? He goes, I have sinned. I've transgressed. I feared the people. I obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, I pray thee, Pardon my sin and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. That all sounds great. Except he's not saying it to God. He's saying it to the prophet. And then he said, I have sinned. And then the real heart comes out. Honor me now, I pray thee. In other words, I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to be humiliated. I don't want to be... Honor me before the elders of the people and before Israel and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord, thy God, not my God. He had no personal connection with God at all. He says, Samuel, you go pray and get forgiveness. Samuel, the difference when David sinned, and he said, oh God, he went straight to God, I have sinned, wash me, cleanse me. Godly sorrow is not, you've got to be honest before God. I need you, God, for myself. Oh, I am, I am thankful for the body and I'm thankful I've asked my children to pray for me. I've asked my wife to pray for me. I've asked my parents to pray for me. But at some, when it comes time to mourn, I've got to pray for myself. I've got to say, God, help me. 
And Saul turned around and Samuel turned away from Saul. Saul grabbed for him and he ripped his garment. And Samuel said, let me tell you, the kingdom's going to be torn from you just this very same way. And Saul even worshiped the Lord. You see, Saul was more worried about his relationship or reputation, rather, than he was his relationship with God. Yes. <clears throat> Godly sorrow acknowledges my sin, the consequences, and the cost to others. When you realize my sin, not only has it impacted me, but it's impacted my family, it's impacted my wife, it's impacted my husband, it's impacted my children. Oh God, I'm sorry. You say, well, that's depressing. Yes, it's not depressing, but it's taking ownership of what I've done. It comes from a heart of true humility. It's nothing about me is worth saving. There's nothing worth me. I don't care about my reputation. I don't care about my appearance. I don't care about anything about me. It's important that I get back in relationship with Almighty God. Oh God, wash me clean cleanse me. I need your presence. I need your spirit. I, I don't care what I look like. I don't care what anybody says. I need your spirit, Lord. I need your presence, Lord. That's what godly repentance is all about. Anything that's worried about how I'll look, you've missed it. In fact, the Bible even talks about Judas. You want to go to a a New Testament story, Judas, when he betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, the Bible says he repented himself, not to God. But he was sorry for himself. And you know what he did? He brought the money. Remember? And he goes to the high priest and he says, take it back, take it back. Get me off the hook. I have sinned. I have betrayed innocent blood. Yes. The one person that Judas didn't speak to, Amen. he didn't say, Jesus, oh God, Jesus, I'm sorry. Yes. No, he didn't own it enough to take it for responsibility for himself. I'm gonna, what am I saying? We know what happened. Judas left there and he didn't feel the release because he didn't truly godly repent. That's right. That's right. And he felt despair. And that's one of those red flags. When you repent and you don't feel hope, yes. then you haven't godly repented. Amen. When all you feel is despair, when you get up, yes. then your repentance is missing it somewhere. Yes. It's still about you. And it's about what you've lost and where you are and what you're going to have to have. But when you repent with, to God, oh, 
You can feel like, man, I was stupid. I did it again. I never thought, oh, you can feel stupid. But you know what? When I come out of a prayer meeting where I have repented, I feel washed in the blood. I feel the repentance, the hope, the joy, the presence of Almighty God. You say, well, I was sorry for what I did. Yeah, I understand. But let me explain something. If you want to feel the grace of God, Paul wrote it in 2 Corinthians, and I'm, I've just got a couple more slides and I'm going to stop. 2 Corinthians, the sixth chapter, he said, you didn't receive the grace of God in vain. And all, he goes on through. He said, you have the Holy Ghost. You have the armor. But you are sorrowful yet always he goes through a whole list, persecuted. All, what is he saying? You're sorrowful, yet you're rejoicing. Lord, I'm sorry for what I did, but you are still such a great God. I still love you. You're still amazing. You are still awesome. You are still, that's why he told Timothy. He said, let me tell you a faithful statement. Timothy, worthy of all acceptation, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am. Am chief. Howbeit, for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern of them which should be hereafter, believe on him and unto life everlasting. Notice that, of which I am chief, I'm so bad, I'm so terrible, I, I don't, I'm gonna eat worms, I am all right. It's still about me, folks. When I truly repent, it should leave me joyful. Life everlasting. That's why Paul could say it like this. Oh, wretched man that I am! Who shall deliver me from this body of death? I thank God that through Jesus Christ our Lord. Why? Because it moves me to forsake my sin. It moves me to get washed in the blood. Lord, a righteous man falls seven times, but I'm going to get up again. I'm going to make my way back to an altar. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are they that mourn. Let's stand. Hallelujah. What a privilege it is. I know. Some of you haven't had to repent from since Easter. You've just been wonderful. All week long, you've been wonderful. But I am so blessed that I can come in and feel the cleansing power of the Holy Ghost. What a blessing that is. No matter what I've done, oh, I feel stupid at times. I feel stupid when I've done stupid things. If I, I bought a screwdriver on Amazon for $8 and saw it at Harbor Freight for $3. I feel stupid. God doesn't forgive stupid. But you know what? When I say, Lord, I didn't really pray about that. I didn't ask you. I, 
started wrong. I just saw I needed it and I hit by. Forgive me, Lord. And if I open myself up, I'll feel the presence flow through me. It doesn't leave me down. When Isaiah said he fell as dead, the Lord picked him up. That's godly sorrow. That's different than sinful sorrow. It's different from natural sorrow. It's godly sorrow. Helps me turn my life around. Oh, I've turned it around more than once a week, more than five times a week. I'm telling you, I've turned it around several times. What are you doing? I'm trying to get myself back in the right way. Why? Because that's what godly sorrow is. Blessed are they that have godly sorrow. If you need to repent, I want you to come. If you're all right, even where you are, if you don't want to come, but the altar is open, you can get back in good standing with the Lord. All you have to do, James says, confess your faults one to another. And the Lord is able to heal. Hallelujah. Would you come?